Hey, listeners, before we get started, if you're enjoying these episodes, you can actually check them out on YouTube in full video. You can just search Honest Ecommerce and you'll get pulled right to our channel. Make sure you subscribe and ring the bell for all the updates. Once you put your products up on Amazon, obviously they have full visibility. It's their customer, not your customer. That's that's our biggest issue with going uh, to any other channel is... Welcome to Honest Ecommerce, a podcast dedicated to cutting through the BS and finding actionable advice for online store owners. I'm your host, Chase Clymer, and I believe running a direct-to-consumer brand does not have to be complicated or a guessing game. On this podcast, we interview founders and experts who are putting in the work and creating real results. I also share my own insights from running our top Shopify consultancy, Electric Eye. We cut the fluff in favor of facts to help you grow your e-commerce business. Let's get on with the show. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of Honesty Commerce. I'm your host, Chase Clymer. And today, we're welcoming to the show the founder and CEO of Under 510, Ellie Robinson. How are you doing today? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me. So for the uninitiated um, that can't figure it out from the name of the brand, what what is like the products uh, and the problems that you're solving there? Yeah. Uh, the, the good news is most people are able to figure it out from the name of the brand. We were pretty literal. Uh, there are still some that, that need a little help along the way. Um, we're solving clothing for shorter guys that couldn't find off-the-rack clothing uh, without having to go to a tailor or just settling for clothes that are ill-fitting or having having bunching at the bottom of their pants or oversized shirts. That's what we're here to try and solve. Now, uh, here's the thing. I'm not your target demographic. Um we're okay with that. It, it didn't click for me in- instantly, which I think is almost in your advantage. I think that if it is, you know, if I was in your demographic, that would have made sense to me instantly, probably. You're saying you would have shopped on the website had I not explained that to you. Oh, well, no, no. Once you get to the website, it's, it's very literal. I'm just talking about the name. Uh, I myself, I'm 6'2, so like under 5'10, yeah, it didn't make, it didn't make like, I didn't make the literal connection of the name to the brand until I started to explore the website. Gotcha. Okay. So the origination of the name 510 is the average male height, give or take. Every year it changes a little bit, 5'9 and three quarters. Uh, the male height average in America. Obviously, different parts of the world have different averages. Um, but that's where the name originated from. Um, people that are below the average height that are really not ma- mass clothing manufacturers are targeting that mid range from kind of 5'10 and up. Um, it's a different issue for your You said you're six foot two. You can't have a pair of pants not cover your, your full body. It's got to go all the way down. Whereas with a shorter guy, I think it's uh, it, it's long been accepted that they'll just buy the pants, take them to a tailor, or they'll suffer the consequences and have the ill-fitting clothing. Absolutely. So take me back uh, to you know you started the brand in 2017. Um, you know, was this always an issue that you were experiencing, or did you see a gap in the market? Like, how did you come up with the idea? Yeah, it was an always it was always an issue. I, I guess I wasn't as self conscious about it until I really started getting into it. Um, you know, the frustration of w- when I decided to kind of look into this, I had already bought the domain, was interested in, in getting into this business and taking trips to the mall and just hitting store after store after store and realizing when I'm really focused on it, this stuff doesn't fit me properly. And why is that? And is there anybody else out there that's doing this? Um, is there a space for me to help in the, in, in this genre or this niche, as you said before? It's kind of a niche market, um, although it's not a very small niche market. 
Um, there are 32 million men in America that are five, eight and under. So it, it's not a small audience. I just think it's, uh, it, it, it's an audience that's been ignored for a long time by the mass retailers. Absolutely. So you bought the domain, you, you kind of ha- you identified the target demographic that you were going to go after. How did you kind of get these products in front of their eyes? What was that go to market strategy? Yeah. So first, uh, you know, I owned the domain for a few years before I ever really got going with it. Um, I, I have been in e-commerce in previous, uh, jobs that I've worked at, uh, on the executive level and, um, didn't really know anything about clothing or manufacturing of clothing. I wouldn't consider myself the most fashionable guy out there. That's for sure. I'm kind of a basics, um, and more of a solution type of person. Um, it wasn't until actually I was, I was, uh, sitting, sitting, uh, with the CEO and founder of another actual clothing company. And I told him about my idea and he was like, you got to make this happen. He's six foot three. And he was like, you got to make this happen. He has the opposite problem of finding clothing to properly cover his body. But he's like, there's definitely a space for this. And I I said, I will do it if you help me, uh, help me, uh, figure out the first step. And that, that's where we started with button down shirts. Uh, that was kind of his area of expertise. Um, and he helped me find a manufacturer. We went through a lot of analytics and figuring out our first sizings and what are ratios and, and sizings for guys that are typically shorter. Um, no body is created the same. So you can have 50 people that are in the same size and a, a garment of clothing will fit them a little bit differently. So figuring out all of our specs and everything kind of hit as many people as we possibly could. That took well over a year just to get going. Um, and then we eventually launched uh, once we had manufacturing for those original run of shirts, we launched on Kickstarter as kind of a proof of concept. I wanted to make sure that there was enough level of interest uh, in the space before I really dug any deeper um, and started going out fundraising or um, getting any deeper into the actual business. I wanted that kind of proof out there. And we were able to succeed on Kickstarter. We had a 30-day target and we hit it, I think, in 20 or 21 days. And we knew we had something there. Absolutely. I think that the Kickstarter route for like a proof of concept is still a viable option to the, to these days. And you know, it, it's especially with how just expensive it is to get eyes on your products with the the Facebooks and the the Googles, and how it's a bit more difficult to understand uh, the analytics behind those eyes as well these days. Um, so I think I I. I you're not the first. You're probably like the dozenth founder that's been on the show. That's like, yeah, we uh, we had a great idea, and then we took it to Kickstarter to kind of as a proof of concept. Um, with once that you you know you had a, you had a successful campaign, what was the transition like to going from like, all right, we're a Kickstarter to okay, well, now we're an e-commerce business. You know, I, I'm sure there was a few steps in between. Yeah. So one one of my original founding partners been with me from e-commerce businesses in the past, very well versed on customer acquisition, PPC, SEO. And had already been doing all the research on, you know, what it was going to take to kind of bring eyeballs to the site. Um, obviously, uh, between Google, Facebook, <clears throat> TikTok, any, any, uh, mediums for bringing eyeballs and getting the interest and, and the word out there that, that this, uh, brand exists, that this solution exists and how to message that properly. So he's been with me since, since I started, uh, kind of in the backgrounds until that stage. Once Kickstarter hit, it actually caught the eyeballs of a lot of people. 
Um, and that's how we ended up actually getting our first round and, and our full funding was people that were watching that Kickstarter campaign. Oh, yeah. It's an instant validation. Yeah, it is. So once once the Kickstarter goes live, obviously, you've got that that larger initial order. Um, were you guys always set up on your own D2C site simultaneously? Or did you you know have to dive in there and start building out kind of that whole part of the business? Good question. Um, so pre-Kickstarter, we actually had already set up the website on Shopify's platform. Our previous, uh, that person that I was talking about, our previous e-commerce business was back in the day before Wix, before uh, Shopify really were out there and robust systems. Everything had to be custom coded back then. Uh, completely different set of problems and issues with, with that stuff. This was like plug and play. We got our website up and running and, and everything within 24 hours, just getting the pictures up there, products all loaded in. Um, it's amazing how fast you can get stuff done today. And how easy everything is, especially on a robust platform like like Shopify. Oh yeah, big fans of Shopify over here. Okay, <laughs> I mean we we have our issues. Uh, they go down every once in a while, <laughs> but uh, and the, the tech could be faster and uh, for for what it is and how many people are on the platform. But as an overall experience, um, the ease of opening a site, getting the amount of app developers that are on their platform, kind of similar to going having an iPhone and going into the app store and finding so many uh, choices and options, it's pretty much everything you could desire is a plug-in app at, the, at, at this point. Um, so the ease of use of the platform is, is a huge help to stimulating startups like ours or anybody else that's trying to get in. If you're struggling with scaling your sales, maybe Electric Eye can help. Our team has helped our clients generate millions of dollars in additional revenue through our unique brand scaling framework. You can learn more about our agency at electriceye.io. That's E-L-E-C-T-R-I-C-E-Y-E.io. Mesa is the expansion pack for your Shopify store to level up your brand. By turning all your apps into your business epicenter, Mesa can help lighten your workload and tame the day-to-day -day chaos of running your store. Join successful brands like Mudwater, Chubbies, and Golden to learn how to use clever workflows to get more done without more overhead. Whether you need to order details in Google Sheets, products added on Etsy, or customer information updated in your CRM, Mesa connects your data where it's needed most. To put it quite simply, Mesa is a better way to work. Browse pre-made templates for Shopify's most popular apps to get your first automation up and running in minutes. Search Mesa, that's M-E-S-A, in the Shopify App Store and download the app today. Is your store holiday ready? Now is the time to make sure you and your team are prepared for the busy season ahead. Gorgeous, an omni-channel help desk built for e-commerce has machine learning functionality that takes the pressure off small support teams and gives them the tools to manage a large number of inquiries at scale, especially during the holiday season. Gorgeous combines all your different communication channels like email, SMS, social media, live chat, and even phone into one platform and gives you an organized view of all your customer inquiries. Their powerful functionality can save your support team hours per day and makes managing customer orders a breeze. Merchants can close tickets faster than ever with the help of pre-written responses integrated with customer data to increase the overall efficiency of customer support. Their built-in automations also free up time for support agents to give better answers to complex product-related questions, providing next-level support, which helps increase sales, brand loyalty, and recognition. 
Eric Bandholtz, the founder of Beard Brand, says, We're a seven-figure business, and we have essentially one person on customer support and experience. It's impossible to do it without tools such as Gorgeous to help us innovate. Learn how to level up your customer support by speaking to their team. Visit gorgeous.grsm.io slash honest. Mention this podcast when you sign up to get two months free. That's G-O-R-G-I-A-S dot G-R-S-M dot I-O slash H-O-N-E-S-T. Today's show is sponsored by the Be Profit app for e-commerce sellers. If you're looking to get a crystal clear picture of your online store's profitability, the best way to do that is with the Be Profit Profit Tracker. Your online business probably has a ton of different expenses that often shift and change. What if you could keep accurate track of things like ad spend and production costs and get an accurate profit margin calculation without the headache of spreadsheets or half-baked apps? That's where Be Profit comes in. BeProfit lets you analyze all of your store's data quickly and accurately to stay on track and optimize your profits. I know a lot of our listeners out there probably keep track of their profits and expenses with a spreadsheet. That will work for a while, but as your store starts to scale up, that simply isn't a viable method of accurately measuring profitability anymore. BeProfit can change all of that for you. Available on Shopify and all the other top e-commerce platforms, the app offers advanced analytic tools to turn mountains of data into intuitive charts and graphs in the blink of an eye. Customize your dashboard, discover valuable insights, and zoom in on the metrics that matter most to you. Take it a step further and gain full control over your data by creating and exporting custom reports. You can even find out which are your most valuable products, top performing ads, best customer cohorts, and so much more with the Be Profit Profit Tracker. Visit beprofit.co today to start your seven day trial. Don't forget to use code HONEST15, that's H-O-N-E-S-T-1-5, to get an exclusive 15% off any plan you choose for the lifetime of your plan. That's bprofit.co, discount code H-O-N-E-S-T-1-5. Getting an online business off the ground isn't easy. So if you find yourself working late, tackling a to-do list that's a mile long with your fifth cup of coffee by your side, remember, great email doesn't have to be complicated. That's what Klaviyo is for. It's the email and SMS platform built to help e-commerce brands earn more money by creating genuine customer relationships. Once you set up your free Klaviyo account, you can start sending beautiful branded messages in minutes thanks to drag and drop design templates and built-in guidance. And with e-commerce specific recommendations and insights, you can keep growing your business as you go. Get started with a free account at klaviyo.com honest. That's K-L-A-V-I-Y-O dot com slash H-O-N-E-S-T. You mentioned uh, a few times so far that you had like received some help with getting things started. Were there any other tips out there that really helped you succeed in this field? Uh, no. <laughs> it was mostly fighting against the trend. You know, Everybody tell me, don't do this. You don't want to go into manufacturing. You don't want to go into clothing. Uh, you know, All the naysayers. Uh, there's not really a space for this. Um, all the big companies that are out there could could do this. Um, you know, there's nothing stopping a, a Gap or or an American Eagle from making 25 inch inseam jeans like we are. Uh, they're just not doing it. So, um, you know, it was more just uh, fighting, more fighting against the naysayers and believing in in the actual uh, that this could really happen and it was going to be a viable business. Uh, you never you never really know until you know. But uh, and the proof is in the pudding with with results. Yeah, that's something that you'll see all the time with uh, anytime you read like a, a business book or even a biography about, about something that's had a successful business. It's like, yeah, at the beginning, nobody believed me and they thought this was the dumbest idea in the world. 
And I think that's what separates the entrepreneurs from the actual entrepreneurs is they actually believe in their idea and they have the gusto to keep going uh, even when life's you know telling them to stop at times. Yeah. Uh, it, probably the biggest, probably the biggest one I took this to was one of my one of my mentors. He's he's uh, head of a big VC of startups, uh, anywhere from Uber to all sorts of big names. And I knew it wasn't going to be in their wheelhouse as a, as an investment opportunity because they're more into platforms um, and and you know more widely scaled uh, opportunities. Um, but I wanted I wanted to take my pitch deck to him just to see what he would think and. Um, he gave me some critiques. He gave me some advice, but he said, "Ellie, I, I know you as an operator, and I know you're going to make this happen. Go for it." And that that re- really gave a boost of confidence. Yeah, that's some great advice from someone uh, in the field to definitely keep keep going. Yeah, um, I think that's you know we personally at our agency, like we work with a coach. You know, I, I think that you need to always surround yourself with people that are a few steps ahead of you, uh, ahead of you, kind of in a similar business. But also, I think you need to give back as well. Like, there's people a few steps behind you that you have just so many answers that would blow their mind and change their business. So I think it goes both ways, and it and it really is validating at times when you're like, I don't know what the f- hell I'm doing, and then you just have the right answers for someone that's just a few steps behind you. So I think it goes yeah. both ways with kind of just like making sure you're always trying to learn more and be educated in your industry, and you know, learn from others and then give it back. Yeah, I can assure you, we're learning. <laughs> we're making mistakes. We're learning, but we learn quickly. Yeah. Once you stop learning, though, you're kind of dead in the waters, is what I feel. Yeah. Obviously, you guys launched on Kickstarter, had a great time, kind of switched over to a more traditional uh, e-commerce model through Shopify. Um, what were kind of like some of the channels that you found were the most successful for you, and then like what were some that are a little more difficult to crack? Okay. So just just to clarify on the question. We only sell direct to our consumers. We don't sell on any third-party platforms. Mm-hmm. So you can't find under 510's products anywhere except on under510.com or through our Facebook page, our Instagram page, uh, Pinterest, um, and all of those types of shopping tools. But we we are not omni-channel. We don't sell on anybody else's platforms. Um, the, probably the biggest challenge that we realized right away is uh, I think we started the brand with 12 button-down shirts. Um, and realizing how singular of an offering it was, and that if we really wanted to be in the space of making clothing for shorter guys, we really needed to bust out and get into a lot more product lines. Um, and once we once we started hitting on, uh, I think jeans was our first offering outside of button-down shirts, and literally could not keep them in stock. The second they would come in, they would just fly. Uh, it was literally... Um, eye-opening for us. And and um, that that's when we kind of knew, again, another validation along the way. You're looking for these signals along the way to point you in the direction of, yeah, you should keep going. You should keep doing this. And what what sh- what is it that you should keep, keep pushing at? Um, you know, although we heard and we still offer a lot of varieties of button-down shirts, even today, uh, pants were a much bigger struggle uh, for a lot of guys. Um, you know, a shirt, you could hide it. You could tuck it in. Even if it's going down to your knees inside your pants, uh, you can you can hide the defects or flaws of not being cut properly for for your size. Uh, with pants, you can, really can't do that. And another explosion further to pants was kind of when we got into joggers. Um, jo- when when we got our first order of joggers, and it was it was pretty sizable, 
And we, we were pretty nervous about getting into that space because there's a lot of uh, activewear companies out there. Um, and it wasn't really like uh, in our wheelhouse at that point. Um, sold even faster than the jeans. Um, and the amount of interest in people wanting them to come back in stock was overwhelming. And it was at that point it dawned on us, you can't actually alter a pair of joggers. It, because of the bunched up scrunch part at the bottom of, of a pair of joggers, it's got to fit perfectly off the rack or you can't have it. Um, so it, it's been one thing leading to the next, leading to the next until I think at this point we have a pretty well-rounded collection uh, for any, uh, any consumer. Um, whether it's dress, casual, dress casual, we kind of got a little bit of everything at this point and hoping to continue to grow. Absolutely. Um, I, I, I want to kind of follow up on my original. My original question was more around uh, acquisition channels and, and like retention channels. So like Facebook, sure. Google, email. But I, now I have to I want to follow up on how you responded originally, which was um, being omnichannel and just only having to direct the, the consumer business. And that's like what you guys are prioritizing is potentially a unique uh, way to approach it in this space. Do you have any more information as to why you want to keep it that way and, and why you aren't you know, exploring into other channels like Amazon is obviously the 800-pound gorilla? Sure. Um, well, yeah. Amazon, Amazon is its own gorilla. So I guess we can address that one first and, and knock that one off. Um, just from our experience in, in previous e-commerce history, once you put your products up on Amazon, obviously they have full visibility. It's their customer, not your customer. That's that's our biggest issue with going uh, to any other channel is we want to own our, our own customers. Um, obviously, it's the dream for every company. Not everyone can do it. Some people have to rely on third-party channels in order to get those initial sales going. Uh, I think we've been fortunate. Uh, uh, well, I'll credit some of the some of the team. Also, pretty savvy at getting our own user base on board um, and buying our stuff directly from us, so that we didn't need to rely on that. Um, obviously, one of the worries with going to an Amazon would be them starting to compete with you. Uh, we've seen it. I think there's enough documentation and histories of brands getting wiped out. Um, selling on Amazon, doing really well. And then all of a sudden, Amazon's competing with you on their own platform. And they're going to do it faster. They're going to do it cheaper. They may not do better quality um, in, in clothing uh, in particular, because we've tested some of their clothing. Um, but they, they're going to compete with you. And you're just putting yourself out there for that. Our main strategy was to try and build our... our there's, there's nothing proprietary about what we're doing. There are other businesses where somebody's invented something that's unique. It's patented. Um, th this is not that. Uh, there's not, like I said earlier in the interview, there's nothing stopping the gap from selling 24-inch inseam pants or 25-inch inseam pants. They're just not doing it. And they won't do it until somebody proves and gets big enough that there's a reason for them to do it. Or they'll just buy up those companies that are that are trying to take that business away from them. Um, so that's that's Amazon. Amazon happens to compete with their own people. You know, if you're talking about going to another platform like an eBay, again, our answer would probably be that we want to own our own customer base. We also don't want to pay extra fees. We're we're selling out of everything that we make, even through our growth growth phases. So it hasn't been a necessity for our brand, um, and we don't anticipate it's going to be uh, in the near future. Not to say that it never would be, but for now, that's that's where we stand. Yeah, and then just to kind of follow up there, it also is just like from a uh, 
percentage of just brain and you know systems and processes and team that you have to implement they're completely different things and the way that you have to utilize those channels are completely different so it, it is like uh it allows you to focus on what you guys are already really good at and you know not really take away from it and that's something i it's not just with channel i just see that across the board with a lot of uh brands and and, and more particularly on the starty startup side of things um, they have like a shotgun approach to uh, their marketing and and stuff, and it's like if everything's important, nothing's important, and it's going to fall flat. Um, so you know you got to really pick the things that you're good at, and so that I, I applaud you for you know not necessarily staying in your lane, but like be like we're good at this, we're going to focus on this, and we're going to blow this thing up. Yeah, uh, it's my team as well. They're they're pretty uh, laser focused, and they're really good at what they do. Going back to your original question, they 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 were able to build a customer base pretty quickly for a brand that's as young as we are, um, and really chip away at all the key search terms, um, any competitors uh, that are in the space, or anybody that shows up in those searches that aren't even really competitors, and becoming number one in search terms, all the key search terms for clothing for short men, jeans for short men. You know they they killed it. Are you talking specifically about SEO or or paid? Uh, yeah, SEO, both. And it was uh, so with SEO, it's definitely more of a long term play. Uh, do you have any advice to people out there that are thinking about getting into SEO for their brand? A lot of content. <laughs> Go crazy on content. You need blogs. You need. Uh, we have our own podcast team <laughs> that's uh, doing podcasts uh, weekly to every other week. Um, content is king and getting all your search terms in there and really owning your space. It's, uh, it, it's a lot of effort. And I, I mean, I've found throughout my career, a lot of people are not willing to go as hard and as far as we've gone with this business, but that's how you build those foundations so that those eyeballs are ending up uh, on your website as opposed to somebody else's. Ellie, so we consult with like I, I talk to a million brands a year, uh, it's close, but the one, the number one problem I see is like uh they're they're trying to get into that scaling phase and i'm like yeah all right you want to start doing things you want to double down on what you're doing that all makes sense but like do you have like a content generation system built into your business already are you producing photo video blogs etc and they're like no why do i need that and i'm like because you can't do it without it you cannot <laughs> it's a, that's a must have i'll say you if the, i know this is going to be watched and replayed I, you're hearing it from me but you're also hearing it from you <laughs> yeah, I'm echoing your sentiment. Those are must-haves. Yeah, so like uh, you're you're investing all this time, energy, and probably money into these team yeah. members or freelancers, or whatever, to produce this cool content. But then, how? Where are you using it everywhere? Like, let people know like how cool it is once you have it and you repurpose it all over the place. Yeah, you're talking anywhere from blogs, podcasts, Facebook posts, Facebook ads, Instagram posts, Instagram ads, Pinterest, TikTok. I mean, it, it's a, it's a team. It's a this is not a one. It's not even a one person dedicated to this. You're talking about four or five internal people, even at a young stage like we're at. Um, but those four or five have a network now built of people that are driving content for us, probably in the twenty to thirty range. And so it's it's pumping on a on a regular basis. It's a it's an engine. It's it's producing, and it yeah. keeps producing, and it keeps growing, and we keep getting more and more people that are falling in love with the brand, whether they're micro influencers or they just look good in the clothes and they want to show it off. 
to using their photos to, I mean, we're getting content from all over the place. You got, you got to be scrappy, uh, but you got to have the content. Yeah. Just uh, having the content is key because you can't test and iterate on ads without the content. You can't really send as many emails as you should be without the content. Uh, it yep. all just goes back to the content at the end of the day. So uh, I'm glad that we somehow ended up there. Uh, and thanks for sharing that. Is there anything that I forgot to ask you about that you think would resonate with our audience today? I, I, as far as forgot to ask, I mean, I, I could go on for hours about startups and what it takes and all that kind of stuff. Uh, I mean, I think we t- touch on some of the key points. Um, you know, th- there's, a, there's a delicate balance when you, when you go into something like we went into uh, with this project of believing in what you're doing and checking your blind sides to make sure you're not, you know, coaching yourself or convincing yourself that you're getting into something that really doesn't have an opportunity and making sure you're, you're taking those steps along the way for, I think we talked about this at a few different points of validation and making sure that, that you're getting those validations along the way. But then it's, it's tireless. You got to be willing to go into projects like this um, with crazy amounts of effort. You got to be better than guys that are bigger than you out there. uh, And you have to be scrapping. You got to figure out how to get those those edges along the way. Um, So if we're talking to young entrepreneurs or people with their own startups, uh, which is the audience I believe we're talking to here, um, you know, it's it's a lot of effort. Nothing's going to come easy. You hear all these stories about these mega stars, you know, turning starting to sell a sweatshirt and doing $10 million in a day on their Instagram uh, with their drops. That's, that's not regular business. That's not how you're going to build a brand. That's not, you know, those are, those are unique situations. Um, I don't, I don't have 10 million followers. Absolutely. And you said something earlier that you just really glossed over. You're like, we're not doing anything special. Uh, We're taking, we're taking clothes and making them a bit shorter and selling it. You know, it's like, you don't have to invent the next Facebook or the next, as seen on TV, you know, yeah. weird product. There are ideas out there that exist that you just have to do it better and be better at marketing, and it you can build a business on the back of it. That's absolutely true. Uh, I mean, we obviously have yet to see how big this thing can scale, but we didn't go into it with any illusions of this being. This is not the next Facebook. This is not building an electric car from scratch when nobody wants to build electric cars. Um, it, that's not what most businesses are. You know, those are unicorns. Um, this is, this is really getting into the guts of finding, finding a niche. But I think I mentioned earlier what we found, even though people call it a niche brand, 32 million, uh, as an audience just in the U S alone, uh, we do international business. There's no limitations on our website. We get a lot of orders from Canada, the UK, uh, Australia, all over the world. Um, and we're not even marketing in their, in their countries per se, but they're finding us. Um, but really looking at those opportunities and trying to build them out as best you can. And like you said, there are businesses out there and there's there's enough uh, market share to be had to build some pretty sizable businesses out there. Um, you know, we're still what I would consider in the infancy stage. Uh, we've been growing it over 300% a year uh, for the first three years consistently. And we see no slow up going in starting in 2022 which is pretty rapid pace. It's not, it's not unicorn pace, but it's going pretty quickly. Um, the next turn phases is when you really start to get into um, those, those bigger challenges that, that the mass retailers and from manufacturing to logistics, the, those scale up uh, levels, which 
me and my partners have been through before in other businesses, and hopefully those experiences will help us get there. Um, but we have yet to see how big this market can actually get. Could be a lot bigger than I ever thought. Absolutely. And it's going to be fun to watch you uh, go on that roller coaster. Thank you. Uh, I can't thank you enough for coming on the show. Uh, for people that are curious about the actual product, uh, just head over to under510.com. No spaces, just under510.com. The numbers, 510. Um, you know, and if uh, you have any questions, uh, you'll see way more stuff in the show notes. Uh, Ellie, thank you so much for coming on the show today. Thank you so much for having me. All right. I can't thank our guests enough for coming on the show and sharing their knowledge and journey with us. We've got a lot to think about and potentially add into our own business. You can find all the links in the show notes. Make sure you head over to honestecommerce.co to check out all of the other amazing content that we have. Make sure you subscribe, leave a review. And obviously, if you're thinking about growing your business, check out our agency at electriceye.io. Until next time.